Some years ago, I was in a meeting with a group of church leaders, and we were talking about some of the things we were doing in the leadership of the church. And during that meeting, one of the participants in the meeting pointed his finger at another participant across the table and said, you are a liar. Well, you can imagine in that moment, things got a little tense. They especially got tense when the person that was called a liar pushed his seat out and started to come up over the table towards the other guy. I thought this was going to be awesome. I was getting pretty excited about what was going to happen. But the leader of the meeting stepped right in the middle of it. He de-escalated that ticking time bomb was about to explode, and uh, we got the, the meeting into a manageable place. Now, I tell you that story because nobody likes to be called a liar. Nobody. Even liars don't like to be called liars. Nobody likes that. And today, when we read this passage... It, it, it may be possible for you to think that you might be being called a liar. And so I want to encourage you before we read it to not become defensive, to not see God as if he were pointing his finger at you saying you are a liar. Because that's not what God is doing. What God is doing in this passage is he is laying out a truth that if we really get it this morning, we're going to leave here today more assured than ever before that we really do love God. And that makes a huge difference in the way we live our lives. So let's look together at 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 19. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who loves his brother whom he can see, who does not love his brother whom he can see, is not able to love God whom he cannot see. And this is the commandment we have from him. The one loving God must love his brother. Perhaps one of the most significant statements in all of the Bible is right here in verse 19. God loved us first. Do you recognize that if God did not love us first, that nothing you have and nothing you experience would be what it is? There would be absolutely zero chance for a significant life if God did not love us first. God loves us first and he chose before the foundation of the world to demonstrate that he loves us first in the most profound and perfect means. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. He determined before the foundation of the world that Jesus Christ would die for our sins so that the penalty of our sins would not have to remain on us, 
So that we could, in the place of our sins, exchange our sinful guilt for the righteousness of Christ. Because God made Jesus Christ to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And the reason God did that was to demonstrate towards us when we were at our worst, when we were enemies of God, that God loves us. He loves us first. And that's the only way that we have an opportunity to respond in love to Him. If He'd not loved us first, no matter what we thought about Him, no matter how we tried to love Him, we could not love Him except that He loved us first and paid the price for the sin that separated us from Him. God loved us first. And because of that, we love Because of God loving us first, we love God. Because of God loving us first, we love people. Even people who are hard to love. Even people who may feel more like an enemy than a friend. Have you you ever had any real enemies in your life? Have you ever heard of Corey Ten Boom? Corey Ten Boom was uh, in a concentration camp during the Jewish Holocaust. She and her sister Betsy. And they experienced unbelievable difficulty and torment while they were in this concentration camp. In fact, Betsy died in that camp. Now, Corey Ten Boom felt like she had enemies. There's a man that, that you may not have heard of. His name is Walter Everett. Walter Everett will probably never forget the phone call that he received. It was a phone call that communicated to him that his son was dead because his son had been murdered. Walter had an enemy. Sandy Lee, her stepdad, abused her when she was just a teenage girl. She felt like she had an enemy. I mean, you can use the names and the circumstances. You can talk about a lot of things that happen in life. Carol, her husband left her and her two little kids and abandoned the family. Dave, his business partner, robbed him blind and really hurt his life. John, he felt like as he grew up, all of his friends weren't really friends to him because they made fun of him a lot. And he grew up really feeling like he was worthless. I mean, I could go on and on in circumstances of life that create a sense of I have an enemy or I have someone that's really hard to love in my life. And if you've not encountered a situation where you find it hard to love somebody, just give it some time. It's going to happen. We, we all have experiences where we find it hard to love people. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, you've heard it said Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. He said, if you love the people that love you, I mean, what good does that do? The worst of people can do that. No, Jesus wants us to love even the one who is difficult to love. This is a big deal. You see, loving God and loving people are necessarily intertwined so that how we love people has very much to do with how we love God. Look at at verse 20 again. 
Verse 20 says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Now again, God is not saying this so that you feel like he's pointing you out as a liar. No, what God wants is for those who love him to be assured that they love him to a degree that they cannot imagine. He wants us to be confident that we love him, that we know him, and that we're living for him. And so he says, here's how you can know that you love me. Love the one you'd rather hate. Love the one that's hard to love. One, love the one that you'd rather not love. Because if you do that, you will most assuredly realize that when you say you love me, you're telling the truth. Look at the rest of that verse. For the one not loving his brother, whom he has seen, is not able to love God, whom he has not seen. It was the beginning of the year, and a lot of people in the beginning of the year decide they want to get in better shape, eat a little better. Anybody kind of on that trip thinking about going to the gym? Um, I want to give you a couple of tips here. When you go into the gym this week, and you walk over to the barbell stand, and this is your first time in the gym in a couple years, don't go to the barbell stand and grab the 30 or 40-pound dumbbells and try to do curls with them. You're going to pull your back out. And you'll be laid up for six months, and your resolution to get back in shape is going to be gone for another three or four years. So don't go and grab the 30, 40 pound dumbbell. Instead, just go up there and grab the five or the 10 pound. Now, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be pretty easy sitting there doing five pounds. But if you do that for a few weeks, guess what? You're going to do the 10 pounds. It's going to be pretty easy. You do that for several weeks, you're going to do the 15 pounds. Next thing you know, you're going to go over and pick up the 30 pound, and you're going to be able to pop it up. Like, I'm doing serious work out here. But you got to start with the 10-pound if you want to get to the 30-pound. Do you realize what God is saying in this verse? He's saying that loving the person that's hard to love is like lifting the 10-pound weight. But loving him is like lifting the 30-pound weight. You, you know what we do sometimes? We sometimes actually believe that loving the person that's hard to love feels like a hundred pound weight. But God's word's saying that's not right. I got a friend who's serving in the Middle East and she lives there in order to just be a light for the gospel uh, in a largely Muslim nation. And she's been able to lead some people to Christ and they're meeting in a little church, uh, home church, house church kind of setting. And uh, one particular uh, Sunday, there was a lady there, and she was really bothered by another couple there. This other couple was not from the same people group, and she felt like they were looking at her uh, with kind of a, a judgmental attitude, and she just decided, I don't love them. I don't care about them. I don't like them. They're my enemies. And she actually told my friend who's serving over there, those people are my enemies, and I will never love them. She felt like loving those people. It was like a 100-pound weight. My friend said, hey, let's look at God's Word and begin to spend regular time together just reading some of these passages about God's love and who He is and how much He's poured out His love on someone who was undeserving of that love. 
And as someone who's received that kind of love, loves in return, loves God and loves people. After digging into some of these scripture passages, spending time praying for this couple, this lady kind of out of the blue said to my friend, hey, I want to have them over to my house for a special meal of honor. So she had them over and served them this incredible meal. And after it was all said and done, she said to my friend, she goes, I don't feel the same way anymore. I love them. You know what happened? She began to focus in on God's love for her in what she felt like was a hundred pound weight. In light of God's love for her became the ten pound weight it always was. She loved him, realized her heart had been changed. And don't you know in that moment she found lifting the thirty pound weight of loving God a whole lot different. You see, she will never again Wonder whether or not she really loves God. She knows it because she could love somebody that was hard to love, just like God loved her. Powerful. This is an obligation. Verse 21 says, This is the commandment we have from Him that we who love God must love our brother. This is the way it is when God loves you. And if you don't love the one that's hard to love in light of God's love, you don't know God's love. That's the point. If you know it, then you find that those 50-pound weights of hard-to-love people become light and easy, and you begin to work towards loving them. All of a sudden, your love for God is radically altered. Changes. I want to tell you a couple more stories. Stories that are a little like some stories that Jesus once told. There was a young family who was driving in their 1986 Lincoln over on the inner loop, headed to Highway 130. And as you can imagine, driving a 1986 vehicle, they stalled out, pulled over to the side of the road, and they were stuck there waiting for help to arrive. As they waited for help to arrive, the pastor of First Something or Another Church was driving by. And he noticed this family sitting on the side of the road, obviously in a broken down old beater. And he thought to himself, man, I should probably stop and help them, but I'm late to a meeting and it's a pretty important meeting. So I'm just going to say a quick prayer for them and be on my way. And as he prayed, he sped right on by as he was listening on his radio to a sermon out of Matthew 25. It was titled, The Least of These. Not long after that, a lady who was in charge of a Bible study group, a community studiers group, uh, was driving by, and she drove by and noticed that family all broken down and waiting for help and thought to herself, I am so grateful for my study group. I I can't even tell you the number of times that my study group has helped me and been an encouragement to me and a support to me when I've been in need, come alongside me to help me out. Man, I hope that family has a group like I do. She just kept driving on by. A little while later, an immigrant drove by, driving his own beat-up car. He saw that family there. And he thought to himself, I know what it's like to be in need and get just a little bit of help every once in a while. 
So he pulled over that car and he stopped. He got out and said he'd help him out. He opened the hood up and realized it wasn't a significant problem. About 15, 20 minutes, he had that family going on their way. You see, that guy knew a little bit about cars. But just maybe, he knew a little bit about love. Now, if those three people were to say, I love God, according to 1 John, which one would be telling the truth? There was a guy who called into one of those radio talk shows. This particular radio talk show was about money, how to get rid of your debt and and to prepare for the future financially. And a lot of times you'd have people call in with these stories about how they're having difficulty. Well, this particular day, a guy called in and started sharing about his story, and it was unbelievable. His first words out of his mouth is, my wife has lung cancer, and she needs a lung transplant. It went from bad to worse. He said that just a few months before they found out his wife's medical condition, he lost his job and lost all his insurance coverage. And they're having to figure out a way to pay for all these bills without having insurance and without having an income. To top things off, his house is in foreclosure. He thinks they're going to lose the house. He's got six credit cards that are maxed out completely just to be able to eat and survive. He said he feels like he's drowning. He has no way. He has no way of figuring out how to get out of this. He says, my wife hasn't even had her surgery yet, and she's got to have it in the next six months. If she doesn't have it in the next six months, she probably won't last through the year. But to have the surgery, it's going to cost somewhere in the neighborhood of $600,000. When it's all said and done, I think it's going to be close to $2 million in debt, and I cannot see how we can make it. The radio show talk host was moved with compassion. And much to the surprise of everybody on the set and the man on the phone, the talk show host says, I want to take care of all of your debt. I just want to pay it all off. I don't want that to be a burden to you. Can you imagine the sense of freedom and joy that call-in guy must have felt? Amazing. Well, the talk show host was making arrangements to get him transferred to someone on the other line that could help him with the arrangements. And so he was transitioning to taking another call. And right before he moved that guy off into that opportunity to get connected, the guy said, hey, I've got one more question. Do you mind if I ask you real quick? And the talk show was, no, no, no problem. Ask the question. He says, well, um, I got another difficult situation. My brother, he passed away last year. And he's, he's left, he's my little brother, and he's left his wife and a couple small kids. And before he died, I had loaned him $500. And I've been waiting, and his wife has not paid me back yet. And so I'm going to take her to small claims court. I'm going to get my money back. Do you have any advice for me on how I can win that case? Now, if that story were true, would you not be appalled at that moment? Would you not like to just wring that guy's neck? Say, are you kidding me? We love because God loved us first. And what we never should experience is the absurdity of that radio story.
There is nothing that anyone can or ever has done to any one of us that is more severe than what we have done to God in becoming His enemy. What we have done to God that made us His enemy required the death of Jesus Christ to clean up. And God, while we are His enemies, bestowed His love upon us so that when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we are completely forgiven and moved from being an enemy of God to a friend of God. How is it that if we understand the love of God, we cannot love someone else? It's absurd. So here's where you start every day. Here's where you start. We all got people who are hard to love, but all those people that are hard to love are like 10-pound weights because God loves you. So here's where you start. You start every day contemplating the love of God. You do what Jared did up here on stage. He says, I'm moved with emotion because I realize in seeing this, the debt that God has paid for my sin. Every day you start with remembering that God loves you, that you were an enemy of God and that your sins deserved hell. But in the place of getting what you deserved, God offered you through faith in Jesus Christ complete redemption, forgiveness, and the holiness of Christ so that you are now a child of God instead of an enemy of God. You start every day by thinking about the love of God that he has poured out on you. You know what that does when you see it properly? It moves you to a place of humility, recognizing just how significant it is that God loved you. And from that place, you can lift every 10-pound weight in your life. And when you start lifting those weights, you'll be amazed at what happens to your love for God. Corey Ten Boom, about 10 years after she left the concentration camp, was in a situation where there was a lady in the room with several other ladies, and she was noticing this particular lady wouldn't even look at her, wouldn't even make eye contact, was avoiding her completely, and she's a little put off by it, like, what's this lady's problem? And later she asked one of her friends about that particular lady saying, hey, what was up with her? She wouldn't even look at me. And she said, well, she's a nurse at a local hospital. And the moment she heard she was a nurse, Corey realized that that lady was a nurse at the concentration camp and that she and her sister Betsy had gone to that nurse to try to get Betsy some help. And that lady treated her with such cruelty and unkindness it contributed towards Betsy's death. Corey felt rage and hatred just come up inside of her. You know what she did? She remembered God's love. And she said, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for my hatred. And help me love my enemy. And she started praying for that lady. A few days later, after she'd spent every day praying for her, she realized, you know what, I need to call her and invite her to this meeting that I'm having. So she called her up and said, hey, would you come to this meeting? I'm going to be speaking there. I'd love for you to be my guest. And the lady was like, you're inviting me? Why would you want me to come? I would love for you to come. She says, okay, I'll come. 
So she came and she listened to Corey speak. And after that meeting, she came up and she said, I want to know more about the love God has even for his enemies. And Corey opened up 1 John chapter 4 and shared with her about how God sent Christ to be an atoning sacrifice so that we might live through him. And she gave her life to Jesus Christ right there. Now, just imagine if that's you. You feel like you're going to love God so much in that moment. It's been unbelievable. Yeah. She's cranking out the 30-pound weights right there because she did the 10-pound weight of just loving her enemy because God loved her first. Walter Everett took him a year to work through the bitterness and anger of his son Scott being murdered by a man named Mike. But on the one-year anniversary date, Walter wrote a letter to Mike, who was in jail, and said to Mike, I want you to know I've forgiven you, and here's the reason I've forgiven you. And he, he shares about Jesus Christ, writes the gospel down, how it's transformed his life, how because God's loved him, he can love and forgive Mike. And he wrote all that down. Mike got that letter a few weeks later, and he was reading that in his cell, and he'd never before heard anybody say to him, I forgive you. All of a sudden, the invisible God became visible. And Mike got on his knees right there at his bed, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He wrote Walter back and said, I've given my life to Christ. And Walter wrote him back and said, I'm so excited. And they started exchanging more correspondence. In fact, fact, Walter started going to see Mike in prison. And they began to have this relationship where they encouraged each other in Christ. And it came time for Mike to stand before the parole board to see if he could get early parole. You You know who was there asking the parole board to give Mike early release? Walter. Sometime later, Mike falls in love and he wants to get married. Do you know who Mike asked to officiate his wedding? Walter. How does that happen? Because Walter just remembered that God loved him first. And he could love even his enemies. You got to know that Walter never doubted that he really loved God. Because of what he saw God do. Pretty amazing. You remember a few weeks ago I told you that story about William Tyndale? How William Tyndale lived in the 1500s and and nobody in the church had a Bible in their language. language. Imagine that, having a Bible and not being able to read it. Nobody in in the church, the common people, could read the Bible. And William Tyndale became convinced he wanted to translate the Bible into English so people could read it. And so he laid down everything he was doing and he set out to accomplish that goal. And that did not sit well with the king. In fact, the king ordered to execute him. And they strangled him and burned him at the stake because he would not recant what he was doing for the cause of Christ. And William Tyndale's last words out of his mouth is, God have mercy on the king. Amazing story. Now I want to tell you the rest of the story. William Tyndale was a tutor before he left to translate the Bible into English and encountered this incredible persecution. And one of the young boys he was tutoring was named Harry Walsh. He was six years old when William decided to leave. So William was going to tell Harry, I'm not going to be your tutor anymore. I'm leaving um, this community 
And Harry's like, why are you leaving? And, and William began to tell him, I'm leaving because people need the Bible in their own language. And, and the where we live and the way things are in the church right now does not want that to happen. And I believe people have got to read God's word. So I'm going to go and do that. And Harry's like, well, why are you leaving? Tell me more. And this is what, this is what William did. He opened his New Testament to 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. And this is what he read to Harry. We love because he first loved us. The reason William Tyndale cried out for mercy towards his greatest enemy is because he'd experienced the mercy of God when he was God's greatest enemy. And he could love his enemy. Well, Harry and his wife, years later, sitting in their home when they got word that William Tyndale had been strangled and burned at the stake. And they were just devastated. Then Harry remembered the impact William had on him. And he took his wife into their living area. And they looked up on the wall. And there on the wall was an engraving that they had put up there. And the words they read together in that moment, we love because he first loved us. How you love people has everything to do with how you love God. Love God and love people because God first loved you.